Welcome to the Health Tech VC. I'm Dr. Fiona Patharaja and I'm managing partner at Krista Galley Ventures. And previously, I was a consultant radiologist in the NHS. On this podcast, you'll hear me in conversation with ambitious startups, outstanding investors, and visionary leaders in the health tech space. This week's guest is Julie Sufana, who is the Chief Marketing Officer at ContextFlow, a health tech AI startup based in Vienna. Krista Galli Ventures invested in ContextFlow in the summer of 2019. Julie and I talk about her journey from Chicago to Austria, and we touch on why startups need a Chief Marketing Officer, the broad range of her role from running the social media channels and pitching investors to working with various partnership hospitals. As a confident and experienced presenter, Julie shares her tips for delivering a great pitch and also shares how best to create and craft a message to convey to investors. We also speak about women in health tech and the benefits of having a diverse team. So Julie, welcome to the Health Tech VC podcast. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Me too. And of course, we've known each other for a little while now, so it's really great to have you here. I'm interested in hearing about how you ended up in Vienna and how you took this bold step to join a health tech startup. It was definitely not planned at all. So I'm an American. I'm originally from the Chicago area, and I did my bachelor's at the University of Southern California in Los Angeles. So I lived there for 14 years, and I worked in many industries. I was in education. I was in the automotive industry. I worked in sales. And uh, alongside all that, I was an actress. So um, really trying to use both sides of my brain. Actually, we had neighbors from Austria for several years, and it was just a family we became really good friends with. And then when they moved back... I started coming to visit and picking up a little bit of German. And at a certain point um, in my life, I realized LA is just not my place. Mm -hmm. And the world is my oyster. There was nothing holding me back. And they had always said, hey, if you want to come and live here, we have an empty apartment for you even. At that point, I'd already been out of school for several years. And I thought, okay, if I'm going to change industries, I should go back and get my master's. So I applied to a lot of universities throughout Europe. And Thank goodness uh, I was accepted to my top choice here, the Wirtschaftsuniversität Wien, so VU Wien, and I did my master's in marketing and yeah, and then just decided to stay because I had a good opportunity with context flow. That's an incredible story. Lots of bravery there, taking big steps out of you know, your comfort zone. For those of people who don't know, Vienna is this really thriving health tech hub. There's lots of startups, lots of investors. Tell us a little bit about you know, context flow and why you chose it over all the other health tech startups in the Dutch region? So context flow develops deep learning based tools to reinvent radiologist workflows. I think what really attracted me was the team for one is very close knit, kind of like a family. And we really have a very solid, very positive work environment to be in. And really just people who are engaged and excited to be doing what they're doing. Context Flow is right on the cusp of something truly exciting and revolutionary. And that, of course, is something that you want to be in on. I find this AI sphere to be really timely and really engaging and really exciting. And so in comparison to what a lot of my colleagues did, which is to go and say work at like a fast moving consumer goods company, I really wanted to be involved in something that was 
more future looking, I guess you could say. So in comparison to other health tech startups, this was actually the first one I was truly introduced to. And now that I've seen the other companies that are out there, there actually are a lot of really great companies, but we always get great feedback of like, wow, you guys always have consistent momentum. You're winning awards, you're hiring people, your product, you can tell, is making more and more development, more and more strides. Like we're expanding the products that we offer and the solutions that we have. So, that consistency, particularly in the times of COVID over the last few months, which I'm sure we'll get into, has been something that I feel so lucky to be part of this really exciting world. And I couldn't imagine working for another company right now. Wow, what a glowing recommendation for Context Flow. <laughs> so just to backtrack a bit, for people who are listening, what is the product and who will buy the product once it's ready? So we like to think of ourselves as having a complete AI backbone for the radiologist. So that consists of multiple products. The original technology we refer to as Context Flow Search. That's a 3D image-based search engine for radiologists. So... Uh, if you can imagine right now, radiologists, when they're looking at their images, they're having to potentially use external resources to help them with difficult cases. And if you're looking at an image, if you have to translate what you're seeing from that image into text, that can be difficult. Whereas what we do is we enable the radiologist to actually search via the image itself. We provide them statistics about uh, disease patterns that are present. Currently, we work with lung CTs and we can search for right now, it's 19 patterns in lung CTs and say, wow, this patient has this percentage of the lung volume affected by this specific pattern. We can show them the overall distribution. The real like core of the technology that's been in place since 2010, actually, is part of a European research project is the ability to provide reference cases to your current patient. So we have what we call a knowledge base. Of, of images from which we build our tools and we can call up those reference cases. So when you, the radiologists are looking at your patient, we can show you similar patients and you can really click in and compare and contrast your current patient to other. So you can see the AI working. That's also something that I'm pretty proud of with Context Flow is you see a lot of black box kind of AI solutions in the radiology space right now. And we yeah, actually, tell me about it. <laughs> so we actually allow the radiologists to see, ah, okay, this patient does look very similar to mine and they can start to, you know, build trust within our system. Within search, we also try to link them to like medical literature for differential diagnosis. So it could be both a good training tool as well as a tool that's really helpful for um, maybe general radiologists or radiologists working in more rural areas that are not used to seeing perhaps complicated interstitial lung disease cases. So that's our kind of core technology. Another thing is context flow triage. So that is a work. That's my favorite. Bit. <laughs> that's a workless prioritization tool. Rather than the kind of first in, first out mentality of having to go through your work list, we want to be able to alert you to patients that have kind of time sensitive findings. So that's just a simple list with kind of like a color code letting you know, hey, red, probably take a look at this patient first versus, oh, we actually only detected healthy lung pattern in this patient. 
And you know, that's so important because before starting investing, I was working in London and my area is gynae oncology imaging. And we would have lots of backlogs. So we'd have like 100 patients waiting for a scan. And I would just start with the oldest one and work my way through. But of course, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean the oldest one isn't the one that's necessarily the one who needs to be seen urgently. And so I would then wait for people to email me in between cases. It's actually, this number 37 is really important. And of course, that then disrupts your workflow. So I'm just checking emails constantly in between reporting. So I think the context flow triage, you know, once that's so commercial is, is a potential game changer. Yeah, absolutely. Then the other things that we're working towards further down the line would be context flow orchestrate. So the idea is that because what, one of the things that makes context flow different from other AI companies is that we actually try to search for many things at once. So I like to give the example, um, there's a lot of companies that detect lung nodules, which is really awesome if your patient has a lung nodule, but you know maybe they have something else or maybe they have multiple findings. And that's when it's really helpful to be able to take a step back and kind of search for many things at once, which is what we're trying to do. So with Orchestrate, the idea is we're kind of like that first filter from the time the scan is taken to we say, okay, we've run it through, we've looked for many things, and now we can automatically send that case, say, to a specialist based on what we find. And then context flow detect is kind of our latest concept. And that's really about ensuring that there's no missed findings. That's a real problem. Obviously, anyone working in medical malpractice knows that. And so this is we just intend to start to have a, a quick check, perhaps at the end of the day, to run the scans and we can send out a report and just say, here's all the findings. Does that match with what your radiologist discovered? Yeah, I mean, in, in, sorry to interrupt you, but in hospital, when I, when I used to work as a radiologist, we used to have a process whereby 10% of all cases were then second looked at by another radiologist as a quality assurance process, which of course takes a lot of time. So if you could have an AI tool that does that, you know, it's incredible. Obviously, we're trying to ensure the patient gets the best care as quickly as possible, but hospitals are run also like a business and they also have to take care that they aren't running into lawsuits. So it's kind of like a win-win for both sides if you're able to provide that functionality. Ultimately, what context flow is trying to do is be able to give the doctor a good idea about their patient's future. So right now we're in a process where we're trying to include clinical longitudinal information so that we can really be able to show the patient's progress over time or which patterns, which diseases are increasing, decreasing based on the treatment that you're assigning them. So that's what's really exciting, what I'm really looking forward to in the next few years. And we haven't really touched on the customers. I know you are in lots of proof of concept sites across Europe. Mm -hmm. um, is that going to be your main market? You're starting into Vienna, Germany, then moving into the rest of Europe? Yeah, so we are based in Vienna. We're a spinoff of the Medical University of Vienna, and we receive support from the Technical University of Vienna. And our initial um, training set of lung CTs came from Vienna General Hospital and the Medical University here. So it makes sense that we have a lot of connections that we start in the DOC region here. So Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. Mm -hmm. But as far as the clinical tests that we're running, we have partners in Croatia, in Spain. Let me think. Now in Italy because of COVID and the Netherlands and then Germany and Austria. We try to branch out Europe-wide, and then actually as we look forward to the next few months, we're trying to gain partners in the U.S., so that would be probably our next expansion area um, yes. because the challenges that radiologists are facing are global. 
So there's no real need to stick with uh, one geographical area. This is kind of a universal issue. And that's what we need to build tools for is kind of a global market. There's a global shortage of radiologists, as you mentioned, you know, and so anything we can do to augment and help their workflow is, is really useful. You know that better than anyone else, because coming from the UK, the Royal College of Radiologists, they put out the best statistics, I will say, out of any country's radiology department that I've seen. I'm sure they'll be very and happy to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> they do really great reporting. Unfortunately, it just shows that there is, as you mentioned, there's a, a shortage. A lot of departments are having a hard time making their meeting the reporting um, requirements, and that results in a really large expenditure for outsourcing or for overtime for the radiologist. So we want to try and um, cover that gap. One question you had asked me before that I was remiss in answering, as far as who our users are, so ultimately the radiologist is our end user, but as far as customers are, are concerned, our business model is kind of more geared towards direct sales to hospitals and clinics as well as integrations with PACS provider. So a PACS stands for a Picture Archiving Communication System. And you can just think of that as the software where medical images are stored. So if there's any radiologists listening, we integrate directly into your PACS. So it's a one-click out. So if you go to visit your doctor and you see them typing away on a workstation, they're looking through their PACS viewer at any of your scans. Usually a radiologist is working through this PAC system. They write the report within that system. And so really, if you want to be integrated, you have to have connections and partnerships with those PAC vendors, which there's a lot worldwide, but definitely some, some global leaders where if you're able to get your product with them, you're definitely going to get coverage within thousands or tens of thousands of, of hospitals at Contextflow has won loads of awards and grants. Can you talk about some of the recent ones? What we're very proud of most recently is that we received an EIC Accelerator grant from the European Union. That's a 1.2 million euro grant towards increasing our COVID-19 detection capabilities. So we were actually very, I guess you could say lucky, although that sounds really weird to say in these pandemic times, but we actually had the capability to detect COVID-19 related disease patterns in lung CTs since the beginning of our tool. It just so happened that when COVID came around, we could actually do something perhaps to help. So I'm very, I'm very proud about that one. And then most recently, as I mentioned, we're looking towards the US and I did do a pitch for the state of Minnesota, because the Mayo Clinic is obviously located there. And so they're yeah. a very big and growing health tech hub. I was thankfully able to, to win that. So now we get mentorship and some help with entering the U.S. market through that kind of accelerator. As far as other grants here, there's a couple of Austrian organizations that really are great at supporting the medtech companies. So that's the FFGA supports research science-related projects. And then the Austrian Wirtschaftsservice, so it's basically the Austria Business Services, they also have given us some grants in the past. Mm. During COVID, I, you know, it's been a very challenging time for a lot of companies. And I feel very fortunate that thanks to you and some of our other investors, we received extra funding between that and then the EIC Accelerator Grant. COVID has been actually a time where we're able to grow and continue working on our technology in a really forward thinking way.
You mentioned when you've just pitched somewhere, I think you're incredible at pitching and humans want this great story and you're very good at turning really complex radiological ideas into easy to understand communications. In preparation for this, I just Googled you and I watched the Falling Walls venture pitch, which I was like, my God, this makes radiology seem really great. (laughs) This is incredible. Um, I was impressed with your clarity and confidence of your delivery. Can you talk a little bit about your role as a a chief marketing officer? Because lots of people might say, why does a relatively small startup need a chief marketing officer? What do you really do there? I do lots of things. So because we are a small company, that means everyone's wearing multiple hats and and Initially, we decided that's the title I should have because, well, podcasting is an auditory uh, medium, but I look very young. And if I were just to put, (laughs) if I were just to put my picture on LinkedIn and say I do marketing at this company, I think people would assume I'm an assistant or maybe not the person that they should be approaching for marketing topics. I think Fiona, you can relate. We're both very petite, young-looking women. And we're talking to investors and business partners, and I have to have a kind of a level of professionalism that will be recognized by people who have been in the industry for a long time. So that was kind of why we chose that title. And then what I do on a day-to-day basis, first of all, I have no routine, but just to give you an idea, I do social media, obviously communications involving emails, newsletters, PR, I do all the events planning and execution, business development. I write proposals and edit them. I'm making the presentations and giving the pitches. I create all the marketing materials. (laughs) And then I'm also doing customer support and account management. So we have partner sites that I mentioned or testing sites, and Mm -hmm. I'm responsible for all of the non-German speaking sites, maintaining our website. And then at Context so we also have something called the fun department, which is just a way. <laughs> Wait, why was why has nobody told me about the fun department? You're always invited, Fiona. Just let us know when you're coming by. We'll even have a special happy hour for you. The idea is that because we're small and sometimes you can get really tunnel vision when it comes to okay, we have sprints that last two weeks and it's just like, let's get that done, let's get that done. And there's lots of tasks that if you don't take the time to kind of recognize how far you have come, even though you know, crap, I still have a ton of work to do. It's really demotivating. So mm-hmm. it's just our way of coming together as a team. So every two weeks, we do have a happy hour. And it's usually either having dinner or drinks together or activities. So it could be doing paddle boats, tennis, just something that's fun that is, has nothing to do with work. And then I also am in charge of recognizing employee anniversaries and birthdays and babies, like all those things that it's just like the human aspects of us working together. Mm -hmm. I think it's really, really important to maintain and to recognize. And again, that's one of those things where I've worked at companies in the past where I didn't get that kind of good down home feel. Mm -hmm. And that's just the environment that we want to create because that's how we enjoy working. One of the things that I've noticed, at least when I sort of got involved, there weren't that many women. So it's great to have some female energy Mm -hmm. there. But also I thought that more than being female, the diversity that you bring there is also, as I said, able to communicate things in a very clear way because lots of other people at Context Flow are all great, but they're all from a sort of research, very tech background, Mm -hmm. which means the way they communicate is actually very different. So 
I would argue that alongside the head of sales, a chief marketing officer is a critical role in driving growth at a startup. And people underestimate the importance of marketing, I think. I wanted to ask if you had any tips for people around delivering a great pitch? Well, for that, I can definitely draw upon my background from years ago of being an actress. So I look at a pitch as just another role that you're playing. That's not to say that it's fake. It's absolutely you, but it's one aspect of you. And you need to treat it as kind of a character. So it's everything from what are you wearing that day and how are you looking? There should be a costume, Mm -hmm. so to speak, that's appropriate for the venue. To also, I would recommend you memorize the pitch and you practice it so many times that you can kind of throw it away, if that makes sense. So you can tell when people are really nervous, they know the words that they want to say, but they're just not quite confident enough with just being able to to present it. So I would say you have to know kind of what you want to say backwards and forwards so that any little trip up, oh, you get to the venue and they say, you know what, slides aren't working today or the clicker's not working or there could be a million things. Now we're doing pitches virtually and there's always complications with that as well. So you're not going to be thrown off by any of those small mishaps because again, you know your material inside and out. And then as far as the actual pitch itself, the material, it's a story. You want to start off with something big, something exciting, because that's your attention getter. Otherwise, people zone out. They're on their cell phone. So we like to start off with kind of a big number or a quote, something that people would not be expecting. And then say, this is the problem, but thankfully we have the solution and it can kind of go from there. And I would also say, you know, investors find your team really important. So technology is great, but your team is really what they're investing in because that's what they ultimately believe in, that you have the capabilities of bringing something to market and to to expand. And so don't leave that out in your slides. Put your top people there and really let them know who you are. As a chief marketing officer, do you have a role in fundraising at all? Actually, what happens is I, because I do the social media, you wouldn't believe how many people reach out who are maybe interested in investment or possible business opportunities. We use LinkedIn and and Twitter primarily. And I'm kind of like the first filter for many of those things. And then in terms of right now, we're actually working towards our Series A. Mm. So... There's a lot of pitches that have to be made for that. Um, so whether that's videos, webinars, or previously in, in-person type pitches, or all the materials that are related to that. So I need to be able to take the feedback that we receive from our investors about materials of how could we present this information? What do they expect when they're evaluating other companies and their proposals? And then translate that into some pretty marketing materials um, to send out. So I'm in charge of taking all these inputs from different people and then crafting the message so that it makes sense to investors. Because even investors in the health tech space are not experts on everything radiology. And because I wasn't an expert on anything related to radiology before context flow, I kind of know the mental process that I had to go through to get there. Mm. I want to talk a little bit more about the two different types of chief marketing officer. Uh One is a storyteller who talks about the brand positioning, the storytelling, executing and making media campaigns. Uh And then there's a more quantitative CMO, the one who is all about analytics, customer acquisition costs and the lifetime value of a customer. Uh Which one would you say that you are? I'm definitely the first. I'm definitely the storytelling type CMO. 
because at the beginning of a company, well, you don't really have a lot of statistics and analytics to work with. You need people just to understand who you are and what you're about and what you offer and start to show up in various places in the marketplace and show up consistently. So we had a little bit of marketing happening. I, to be honest, I was impressed with what the guys were doing before I got there because they <laughs> are engineers and developers. But then it was just like, okay, so let's do some social media. Let's start attending more events. Let's. We went through a whole rebranding process. We used to have an iceberg and now we have a very a cool logo that suggests some motion in a circle and also kind of suggests like a CT with some interesting colors. But the, yeah. the point is we went through that process because when I came in, I said, okay, this looks like a startup and I want us to be a medical devices company. So we have to professionalize ourselves a little bit and start to take that startup to show, yeah, we're a trustworthy company as well. And as we move closer to Series A, as we're moving closer to FDA approval or launching additional products, then it makes sense to be getting another person that can help me more with the, everything from SEO to like setting up the reporting and analytics. Because as all the tasks that I mentioned before that I do, I simply don't have enough time every day mm -hmm. to be doing all the things that I would yeah. like to be doing that I know that we need to be doing. And you mentioned a little bit before about the culture of Context Flow, how it feels really yeah. close and tight knit like a family. Um, but of course, being an American in Vienna, were there any sort of cultural differences that you encountered in the workplace? I, I don't know if it was so much cultural differences here, because I think our CEO, Marcus, actually does a really great job of being a very open and transparent leader and yes. he likes to sit down and have one-on-ones and really get to know people. He's just very calm and relaxed and logical and just really a great conversationalist. Because I actually think Austria is, is fairly similar to the US. I tend to smile a lot and that's a little bit too enthusiastic <laughs> for some Austrians. <laughs> but of course, once you get to know each other, then it's like, Okay, they understand I'm not fake. That's just how I am. Yeah. I think it was the first workplace I ever came into where I was the only woman. That was probably a, a bigger difference for me. I think coming in as the only woman, no one ever made me feel awkward or anything about it. It was just sort of a recognition of, should we open the door for her? Should we let her order first at the restaurant? Like There were sort of things where you could tell the guys weren't sure what to do. And honestly, if I'm interested in gender equality, I don't care if they open the door for me or if I order first at a restaurant. But I was very happy to have a second woman come on board. So we actually have a radiologist on staff. Her name is Hui Tseng from China. And we just hired a third woman starting in October as our regulatory affairs manager. And I would say the men at my company are actually very supportive and understanding, oh, we, we want to hire women. They understand that diversity is actually a benefit to the company and getting different ideas and different viewpoints is only going to make our company better. Mm -hmm. But it's very challenging to find women who are developers of the type that we need, for example. Yeah. So we really are trying to push hiring women for all the positions. And what can we do as a team to hire more women? You know, I talked to other startups about this as well, and they have the same challenge. As of right now, we are constantly going throughout our, our network to try and really promote and encourage women to apply. 
It's a societal challenge, and it really starts from the time that women are young of how we're socialized and and what jobs we feel are for us. So for anyone listening, you know, if you have little girls, just be mindful of how you treat certain ta- like subjects that they're learning about in school. Science is for everyone. Math is for everyone. And just really allowing them to kind of see where their interests lie and then go in that direction. You know, having visibility is so important. Even as an investor, I go to meetings all the time and I'm the only female or the only non-white person there. And as cheesy as that saying is, you know, you can't be what you don't see because we need to be able to increase the number of women in positions of power and we need strong role models. And that really means championing women who are more junior than us and also trying to bring them up as well. Absolutely. I mean, representation really, really matters. And I think a lot of people are aware now and it is getting better, but we really have to support each other. I think we have been socialized as women to kind of compete with each other. And I just don't buy into that. If I can help you, please let me know. If we work together, we can create opportunities for each other. And so, you know, it, like you said, it's cheesy, but we rise together, truly. I really believe that. Yeah, me too. Um, changing the subject a little bit, I want to do, do two minutes on why I invested in Context Flow, mm-hmm. if you don't mind. I picked you up on social media. I reached out to you in, I think, February 2019. And then I met you guys via Twitter. And then I met you in real life at the European Society of Radiology. And I was so impressed by the team. I thought that you know, Marcus and, and everyone there, including you, are all so positive, so on mission, you know, they're really passionate about radiology. And obviously the technology is very strong and the team have collectively published lots of research together as well. So they you know, they really know what they're talking about. I like the fact that whilst, as you mentioned, many startups in this area are focused on a body part, so they're doing brain or chest or one specific diagnosis, or they go for a specific modality, so X-ray or CT or MR. But context flow, what I really liked is that they're at a different part of the value chain. In some ways, a more complex part because they're focusing on reasoning and inference in helping you as a radiologist get to a diagnosis instead of saying, okay, there's a tumor here or there's, it helps with, as I mentioned, diagnostic reasoning and decision making to support the radiologist. And as I mentioned earlier, my favorite part is actually the triage tool for case prioritization because when I worked in the NHS, I know it's not always the same across Europe, but we had big backlogs and we, we were also short of radiologists, even in a massive hospital, and you couldn't always meet the, the demand. And I wouldn't ever rush because I felt like I want to make sure that this, you know, this patient could be my friend's mom or my sister, and I want to give the best quality report I possibly can. So if there's something that could prioritize it, that I thought was really game-changing for the workflow of a radiologist. And I, when I spoke to Marcus, one of the things that I was struck with was the reason that he said, we want to not just be an AI tool in radiology. We want to see the patient in this holistic way and help the doctors of the future really be able to predict where your patient's going to go, how is their health going to develop over time. And that really captured my imagination because that's something that I believe in as well. So fingers crossed in the future. That's just a few highlights, but I wanted to point that out because I, I am really strong supporter of Context Flow and I think what what you're doing is really special. It's a lot coming from you. So For us, when we see that radiologists (laughs) understand immediately the benefit of what we're doing and are interested in in investing money in, that's a very strong endorsement for us and really motivates us to keep going. So thank you for that. Um, So what is next for Context Flow and for Julie? 
<laughs> so what's next in the short term is actually our Series A funding round, which we are helping us out with. So the idea is really to be able to expand our capabilities to include more than just lung CTs, as Fiona just mentioned. So our tools are very flexible so that they can expand to different organs and different types of modalities. So going from lung CTs to include brain MRIs next, uh, we need to scale again towards U.S. market entry and also receive FDA approval for the first version of Context Flow Search. And those are our big milestones as a company coming up next. And for me, I'm, I will be so happy to get Series A because it will mean that all the work that I'm doing right now actually has some benefit. So for me, it's a time where I'm keeping my head down. Obviously, with the pandemic, we've all been working from home a lot. And there hasn't really been any, where am I going to go if I took vacation? So it's just been a year of no vacation, but a lot of really exciting developments happening on. As a side note, I also teach yoga. So for me personally, I'll also probably maybe be doing a little bit more of that um, in the evenings and the weekends. Do you have any advice for people thinking about joining a health tech startup? Startups are an amazing place to work if you don't mind taking on a little bit of risk because you get to get a PhD level of education in the real world in a very short amount of time. So if you really want to get your hands dirty and you want to learn very quickly, I would recommend checking out some startups. As far as tips for development, just be flexible. Really, you're going to get asked to do a lot of things that are not in your job description. And it's okay to communicate, hey, actually, I don't really enjoy these tasks, but just know everything is for the benefit of the company. So I think come in with a kind of can-do attitude and be transparent. And that goes for all startups, not just health tech startups. In the health tech space, it is important to keep in mind that a lot of what you're doing is to help patients. And when you interact with people... They may not get what you're doing. They may not think it has any relevance to them. But the bottom line is that you and I and everyone listening has or will be a patient at some time in their life. And if you can translate that message to an audience, that's how you can get them interested and excited about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So just don't lose sight that it's, uh, yes, it's about patient care, but you are the patient as well. So let's try and develop right and do right by ourselves as well as others. As far as getting in touch, so the best way, if you have any questions or you're interested in any jobs that we have open since we have a couple... You can always go to contextflow.com. Thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate your time. Thank you very much for having me. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Health Tech VC. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Also, head to the show notes to follow me and Krista Galli Ventures on social media to keep up with the latest content in health tech and investing.